right, hour two, Sean Hannity Show, 800-941-SEAN, toll-free number on this Friday. You want to be a part of the program. Uh, I've kind of had it with, with Cuomo news, I'm sure as many of you had. Um, but we'll be watching, waiting, and let's see how this plays out. I, I want to go back to what is now something that, you know, where's John Durham? It, you know, you can say it as a joke, but it really isn't funny, is it? It really isn't funny that for three years the country was lied to about Trump-Russia collusion, and the only collusion was the fact that Hillary Clinton paid for a dirty Russian disinformation dossier. The media, you know, took it as gospel truth. The FBI couldn't even verify it. They were warned not to trust it long before they ever used it. Before FISA warrants to spy on a presidential candidate, his transition team, and then a president, and nobody's held accountable. And top people at the FBI and Michael Horowitz, the inspector general's report, what happens? They, they, you know, oh, referrals for lying to Congress, the the very thing that caused 30 men in tactical gear, guns drawn, pre dawn raid at Roger Stone's house. Uh, with frogmen and and fake news CNN cameras, I I haven't noticed that happen to any of the top FBI officials, not the rank and file, the few, the one percent, and you know you, you you have to wonder how does this happen? Um, now the DOJ Officer of Inspector General, that's Michael Horowitz, uh, has a report of the investigation regarding the alleged unauthorized contacts by FBI employees with the media mob and other persons in advance of the 2016 election. Now, what would that mean? That would mean it sounds like to me that, that maybe the FBI favored or some people within the FBI, again, I, I, not the 99% that I think do a great job, but they they had a stake in, we know what Peter Strzok and Lisa Page thought of, of Donald Trump, but they, they're, they're going to use information, leak it to the media, why well obviously it would be a political motive right anyway so he announced his release of the report of the investigation regarding alleged unauthorized contacts by the fbi employees with the mob and the media and other persons in advance of the 2016 election and the doj office of inspector general initiated this investigation in response to information that came to their attention during their review of uh, allegations regarding various actions by the department and the FBI in advance of that election in 2016. And uh, anyway, uh, let's listen to Devin Nunes and what he says about it. He talks about the circular reporting of the Mueller report. Only people who colluded with Russia were Democrats, which he's right. Then you hear Andrew McCabe denying media leaking and Andrew McCabe admitting he leaked a story to the Wall Street Journal. Listen. Furthermore, the Mueller dossier cites dozens of articles from the reporters and publications that were most responsible for perpetuating the Russian hoax. Thus, Mueller produced a perfect feedback loop. Intelligence leakers spin a false story to the media. The media publishes the story. Mueller cites the story. And the media and the Democrats then fake outrage at Mueller's findings. In sum, Mueller relied on a mass of reporting whose central narrative that the Trump campaign colluded with the Russians to hack the elections is false. And the Democrats spread a hoax claiming Trump is a Russian agent, but it was later discovered the only people who colluded with Russians were the Democrats, who paid for the Steele dossier, which relied on 
Russian sources. I'd like to remind the Democrats on this committee that this was created to do important oversight work of our intelligence agencies. This work is even more crucial now that the media have abandoned their traditional watchdog role and instead have become a mouthpiece of a cabal of intelligence leakers. I understand the Democrats' inability to move past their failed hoax and get back to normal business. Nevertheless, I suggest they give it a try. I'm not convinced this isn't just some kind of PR campaign to stop yourself from getting indicted. Mm -hmm. You were fired at the recommendation of the FBI, which in your book you cite four times how great of an organization it is for your lack of candor. I would like you to say right here on national TV that you were not a source for the New York Times, you were never a source for the New York Times or any other publication, considering that's what you're accused of lying about. Basically, I, were you ever a leaker to the New York Times? Absolutely not. No, not, not in any time ever. Why did James Comey deny the claim that he approved your leaks to the press? I don't know why Jim Comey doesn't remember the conversations that we had in the same way that I do. About a week before Election Day, McCabe authorized the leak of a story to the Wall Street Journal. At this time, he was still deputy director under Comey. The resulting story said that McCabe had defended the FBI investigating the Clinton Charitable Foundation after a Justice Department official had cast doubt on that investigation. You were accused of providing information to a Wall Street Journal reporter because you thought the story the journal was writing was going to be wrong. Do I have that right? That's correct. You are authorized by the FBI to release information to the media. That's correct. You did so through the Public Affairs Office at the FBI. I did. The journal attributed the story to an unnamed source, and it seemed like a garden variety leak of the kind that happens nearly every day. All right, joining us now, very significant real charges, Jason Chaffetz, Fox News contributor, distinguished fellow now at the government accountability institute and by the way that's that's where our friend peter schweitzer works and also uh joining us eric eggers he's the author and he's the vp of the government accountability institute co-host of his own uh, podcast called the drill down um all right you guys are unpacking every aspect of this story which is virtually getting zero coverage uh, I don't think uh, I don't think we actually heard the truth there. And as, if I recall correctly, uh, Jason Chaffetz, uh, the inspector general, Michael Horowitz, did make referrals about lying to Congress. Did he not? He did. This is the fourth report. Remember, the first three that went out there, some of them, um, I believe, were uh, criminal referrals for for what he offered. But importantly, the inspector general has referred. Well, what happened back. to the criminal referrals? No, the, the the FBI, the Department of Justice, they're not going to prosecute anybody of themselves. They're just, they're oh, that's just right. not going to do it. Of course, only only conservatives get put in jail for spitting on the yeah. sidewalk. Okay, how, how dare I digress? Go ahead. The numbers here, though, are stunning because what they did is they researched things that, in the lead up to the 2016 elections, had not been previously disclosed, but were a variety of information that could have been either classified. Uh, highly sensitive material. They just weren't out there. They found a universe of uh, more than a 100 FBI agents that would have had that information. But then when they narrowed it down, they found that 52 FBI employees had access to that information and had contact with members of the media. And 33 of those people had contact with the media. Again, 
violation of ethics, violation of protocol. I mean, it's just a laundry list of violations within the FBI, but more than there, 52 people had this inappropriate conduct. Now they've identified six in particular that they referred back to the Department of Justice for disciplinary action or something else, but I'm not holding my breath that they're actually going to prosecute these people. Eric? No, Jason's absolutely right, and I think what this should be is a first step towards further inquiry, further investigation. Hopefully there's people at high levels of the federal government like Jason was that have the courage to ask more questions because when you've got reports that say that we've identified numerous FBI employees at all levels of the organization with no official reason to be in contact with the media, and there were so many of them that were doing it, as Jason just noted, that the report says that it impacted their ability to identify the source of the They're basically saying, this was such a problem, we can't really investigate it to the best of our ability because there's too much happening here, right? And this is an incredibly serious problem. We need to ask more questions. Remember, I mean, giving people illegal tickets, giving people illegal meals, giving people access to uh, social events, these are the kind of things that people went to jail for when Jack Abramov was doing it a while ago. So I think, like, this is not just some silly thing, and the fact that it's getting no coverage should be incredibly concerning because what that tells me is that no one's really taking steps to make sure it doesn't happen anymore. I mean, this comes real close to, given the time frame ahead of the 2016 election, this comes really close to, like, electioneering, right? If you're feeding people information in the media that was proven to be not accurate and that media isn't reporting it because it fits into a political narrative, I mean, how does that not impact potentially the outcome of an election? That's also not legal. Quick break. We'll come back more with Jason Chaffetz and Eric Eggers. All right, we continue now with Jason Chaffetz and Eric Eggers of the Government Accountability Institute. You know, I mean, this is where we always seem to come back to, and that is, I don't, I don't care if it's Manafort or it's Papadopoulos or it's General Flynn, uh, our old friend, uh, or it's Roger Stone or or any of the people in and around Donald Trump. Uh, I mean. For the very same things, and even when worse things happen, nothing happens to them. I can only conclude, Jason Chavitz, and please correct me if I'm wrong, that America has a dual justice system, that equal justice under the law doesn't exist as it used to. Equal application of our laws certainly doesn't exist. Uh, I know the the Democrats, for example, they 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 want to get to the bottom of January sixth. Okay, they put together their their biased commission that has a predetermined outcome and kicked off people that might have uh, a different line of questioning, like Jim Banks and Jim Jordan. Um, what about the five hundred and seventy four riots that took place last summer that they denied and never talked about, and even offer aided and and abetted and. Uh, from a moral standpoint, like Kamala Harris tweeting out a bail fund to get people out of jail involved in the rioting. But, you know, nearly 3,000 cops were hurt. Uh, We had, you know, arson all over the place, city blocks taken over in some cases, but nobody wants a commission on that one. Tell me how that's that a riot to me is a riot. What happened on the 6th can never happen again. What happened all summer last summer can't happen again either. Well, and add on top of that, Sean, uh, the Democrats are in control of the Senate and the House. There's not one single investigation leading into the origins of the of the Wuhan virus. So, you know, they, their ability and desire to get to the truth. But, but going back to this, I, I got to tell you, what's stunning about this is 
as the inspector general, they have badges, they got guns, just like FBI agents. But when they went to go get the uh, telephones, guess what? Magically, they had disappeared. There were text messages for long periods of time in question of agents that they know had contact with reporters. Guess what? Those text messages are now missing. And so if you or I... Uh, By the way, aren't more than half the phones from Robert Mueller's investigation missing also? Surprise, surprise. There's no consequence until the Department of Justice will actually slap some handcuffs and charge people, not just allow them to retire, take their full retirement, do those types of things. This culture is not going to change. This has gotten worse, not better. When you have more than 50 FBI agents, you and I like to talk about how the rank and file, the 36,000 people, you know, I'll do a good job. But you know what? I'm starting to look around at that building there in Washington, D.C. and say, Prove to me that you're a good guy at this point because you are not doing your job. This is systemic. Look, I had Secret Service agents going after me, more than 40 of them. And Inspector General comes out and said what they did is illegal. Well, what, what, what was the Secret Nobody Service going after you for? Well, remember, I, by the way, you know, you're, you're somebody that really does need to be watched 24-7, to be honest. <laughs> I know you for a long time, but I'm kidding. Go ahead. No, they dove into my personnel records. They started to spread false lies. They had an inspector general. No, nothing happened to any of these people. It is a culture, and it is pervasive, and it goes one direction. By the way, uh, somebody... Well, you mean I, I should be upset that, that, that my personal text messages were just released publicly, 1,200 of them? Should I be upset that... Um, uh, the FBI writes up, you know, 50 pages of 302s with my name on it for no reason whatsoever. Should I be a little upset over these things, which has now dramatically changed my life where, you know, I don't even have an email account anymore. And, uh, you know, some of my friends and I mean, friends, you know, they, they think I've become the biggest snob in the world is, is maybe it's not my fault after all I've lived through. It, it is so wrong. I want to point out one quick thing, Sean, at the bottom of page nine, part of what they looked at was and these allegations that came out time and time and time and time again about Rudy Giuliani. But he's got to feel good about this line at the bottom of page nine. It says, accordingly, the purported investigative leads provided by the FBI based on an alleged FBI employee contacts with Rudy Giuliani were inaccurate. I think Jason's exactly right. And I know it's a Friday afternoon. And we want to have your listeners go into the weekend in a good mood. But I would just say it's no wonder that maybe the average American citizen casts doubt and doesn't take institutions like the CDC at their word, right, when the, the messaging changes, when it's become very clear that we can no longer trust certain agents within the FBI to be operating in the pursuit of justice that's truly blind, because I think what this report makes clear is that the justice that some of these FBI agents pursued with help of their friends in the media, and those friends, by the way, that were giving them illegal benefits, you know, appeared to perpetuate a false narrative in the hopes of influencing the outcome of the 2016 election. So that doesn't necessarily make me feel great. Uh, I don't know about you. All right, thank you, uh, Eric Eggers and uh, Jason Chaffetz. 800-941-SEAN is our number. We'll get to your calls on this Friday. Coming up next, quick break, right back. All right, 25 to the top of the hour, 800-941-SEAN. You want to be a part of the program. Um, man, so much to get to, so much going on here uh, in the news. I'll tell you what, let's get to your calls. Uh, also, big battle in New York today, not only over Cuomo, but will New York flip red in any capacity? If it doesn't, it's going to be an unmitigated disaster. 
Anyway, let's say hi. We have Paula is in North Carolina. Paula, hi. How are you? Glad you called, and uh, thanks for being with us. Yes, thank you for taking my call. What's going on? Well, I was just telling Linda, uh, I had COVID back in February, and very mild case. I kind of had a scratchy throat, and then a couple of days I kind of started sniffling, and then my son-in-law had the same symptoms, and he went to the doctor and was diagnosed with COVID, so I said, well, I better go get checked, too. Went in and was diagnosed as well, and my doctor had promised me all year that I could get hydrochloroquine if I got COVID. And, of course, I had someone else that day, and I said, well, how about hydrochloroquine? And she just pretty much laughed in my face and said, oh, no, it's been proven that that doesn't help. And uh, I said, well, There's I think actually studies and, that say just the opposite, but exactly. I digress. Go ahead. Yes, that's exactly what I told her. And then she said, well, the side effects are so bad. And I said, well, my brother-in-law's been on it for two years for rheumatoid arthritis. There are no side effects. Yeah, the, 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 exactly. The foremost expert, Dr. Daniel Wallace, Cedar sinai says the risk is nil. But go ahead. So anyway, so I, let, I got so excited because I knew we had hydrochloroquine at home that we had gotten from California for my brother who has Down syndrome, and he's on it as a preventative. But anyway, so I left thinking, well, I'll take it anyway. So, But I got out to the car, and my daughter reminded me to ask about Regeneron. So I turned around and went back in, got the doctor back, and I said, what about this infusion? You know, can I get that? And she said, oh, sure, you qualify. She said, but you'll have to go today or in the morning. And I said, well, you just told me I have COVID, so I'm not going anywhere else but home, and so I can do that. <laughs> yeah, I think I could stick around a couple of hours <laughs> right, and, yeah, and get, the, uh, get, get the therapeutic that, that I think is the most underutilized therapeutic of them all. Exactly. So I said, well, yeah, I, I can work that in my schedule. And then she said, but you'll have to drive to Elkin, which is like 30 miles away. Mm-hmm. And I said, well, yeah, I'm good for that, too. But it was just like, you know, everything I was saying, she was trying to discourage me. The, from you see, it. this bothers me. Um, I've told yes. you about a, a friend of mine, one of my best friends. Uh, Linda knows who it is. I'm not going to mention his name. Uh, I've been giving him I've been giving him uh, hell all week. I've been busting mm-hmm. on him all week. So a week ago tomorrow, he got diagnosed in less than 24 hours. Uh and as per what I, I I was all over him, like, you know, white on rice, I just was not going to get, I, you know, once I find out people have this, uh, what I have learned is it is shocking to me how little people know. And maybe I, it's unfair. I'm not saying that they're, they're ignorant. This guy was the inventor of the year. He's an engineer. He's running a company and he's just an awesome guy and he's got more important things to do than than be worried about covid short of the fact that he was fully vaccinated and so immediately in less than 24 hours he got regeneron so he yeah, texts yeah. me he texts me last night during my tv show and he, he tells me he's out fishing in the middle of the night i'm like of course he's out fishing it's like for him this yeah. is a week this is he never felt better for a day, he lost his sense of taste and smell, but he said it came back, thankfully. Some people lose it for a long period of time. Yeah. And ever since he took that, along with ivermectin and hydroxychloroquine, um, it's a week later, he says he feels 100% normal. That's, yeah. And now he's still quarantining. He's following the, the, right. the guidelines. He'll test negative before he sees his family. He sent his family down to Florida to get out of the house. Because the Delta variant is extremely contagious, 
And and by the way, I said you did it on purpose because you just you know you you, you wanted it, everyone out of the house to so you can go fishing every day. And he goes, yeah, that's yeah. about right. <laughs> so you know, thank God he's okay. Thank God you're okay. Yeah. How soon after oh, you got the infusion did you feel better? Oh, I, I never felt bad at all. I just, I mean, of course, they put me on prednisone and a Z-Pack was all, and then I took the uh, hydrochloroquine. But, I mean, I really, the worst part was just trying to be locked down for 10 days and stay away from people. But um, but the thing, I just talked to my sister, and she has two friends who've just been diagnosed with COVID who both were vaccinated, asked the doctors about getting Regeneron, and they told one to come back in three or four days if he got worse, and they would give it to him. And the other one told them that, that she couldn't get it. And they're both. You have to make the phone calls. And uh, his wife is also an engineer and a lawyer. And she Mm -hmm. identified the hospital in the area I live that uses it as general protocol. I had another friend a week earlier, unvaccinated, 74 years old. I think his wife is 67. It's her birthday today. Terry, happy birthday if you're listening. And anyway, both of them got Regeneron at Emory in Georgia. Um, there are some hospitals that still follow the the reactive medicine, which I do not understand, which is, right. okay, uh, if your temperature goes up, uh, take two Tylenol, lower your temperature, monitor your oxygen, and if it goes to 90 or below, uh, you better go to the emergency room. Now, the problem is it usually doesn't hit the lungs till you know, w- within the first week, and it, uh-huh. once it gets in there... If if your lungs have the the immune system overreacting, you now by the time you get to the hospital at that point, the damage to your lungs is is already done. It, it happens extraordinarily fast. The the lagging indicator is your oxygenation, which is dropping, and mm-hmm. you know so that you you go in and your your oxygen dropped to eighty seven, and it's dropping quickly. At that point, now now they're dealing with the damaged lung situation. Now you've got a saturation problem in your lungs. Now you, now you can't hold, you know, it, it, it's a matter of, you know, degrees. How badly were your, your lungs damaged? How bad is this, this storm, this COVID storm that's going on inside of your lungs? So uh, for me, personally, I'm not a doctor. I strongly urge people to consider, to learn, to research, to read, about things like Regeneron. I think Regeneron in particular is the most underutilized therapeutic, whether you're vaccinated or not. If you are a breakthrough case, I urge you to strongly, strongly, re, you know, if you get a, a, if you're a breakthrough case, you get a, a positive COVID test, uh, call your doctor immediately, pull out your phone and start researching it. And, you know, make the right decision for you. I'm sold on it personally, but I can't tell people what to do. I'm not a doctor. Well, I agree. But like I said, I'm very fortunate that I had a very, very mild case. And and now I have the antibodies. And one more quick thing. My daughter had it a year ago in July. had COVID. Lost her sense of smell and thought she had a sinus infection. It's in a study that the Red Cross is doing. And over a year later, she still has antibodies and they're stronger than they ever were. Look, I right. you always still have T cell antibodies. The the normal the regular antibodies will decline over time, usually anywhere between three and six months. Um, anyway, I'm you know I hope people hear you, Paula. I I do want people. I'm not going to tell you what to do. 
you know, everyone's playing doctor on radio, television, and and in Washington. I I refuse to do that, but I I want you to take this thing seriously. I've seen the worst of this. There are two people I know right now on ventilators. One I mentioned his name because it's been in the public. A friend of mine. He's a colleague of mine. A very you know we've been friends for years. We we got out of touch recently. I talked to his brother and his wife last night, Phil Valentine. And, you know, there is a lot of hope for him. And they, they're asking for people to pray for him. Please pray for him. Um, and he's, uh, he's, he, he struggled, had a very, very touch and go period. He's come out of that. He's, he's healthy, he's strong, he works out. And I'm just praying for a miracle in all of these cases. It's, it's not fun. Um, anyway, thank, thank you for you. the wonderful doctors you've had on. I have listened every day, and I've learned so much from your show. And and I just pray that other people hear this. And and again, I think you're you're right. Be proactive. Don't sit back and oh, wait. Trust me, I get the crap beaten out of me for even putting some a, a, a Harvard educated doctor on. I get the crap kicked out of me. Or a Yale educated doctor, they beat it, me up. I'm like, okay, yeah. you know, whatever. I can take it. It's 33 years of my life. I'm used to it. Uh, anyway, Paula, God bless you. Quick break, right back to the phones. 800-941-SEAN, you want to be a part of the program. Uh, is the possibility of New York ever going back to the days of Rudy Giuliani possible? There is a mayoral candidate pledging to, to implement all of those successful policies. He's running for mayor. His name is Curtis Sliwa. All right, as we continue back to our busy phones... Uh, Lisa is in Georgia. Lisa, how are you? Glad you called. It says on my screen you had COVID twice? Yes, I did. I actually had a, a positive diagnosis exact same day last year and this year. <laughs> are you kidding me? So what? tell me what no. happened last year and what happened this year. Well, last year I had had a, a major surgery on my leg. My sister-in-law came out to help care for me. And um, she was getting ready to go back to Arizona. Somehow we contracted COVID. Um, I was having sinus infection kind of um, actions and had reached out to my doctor. And he's like, oh, yeah, you probably have a sinus infection because I'm prone to them. He started treating that. And then I got this really weird headache. And it was unusual for me um, for like two days. And that's when I got a little suspicious. So when my sister-in-law went to get a COVID test so she could go back home, um, I got one with her. And both of our tests came back positive. I had pretty mild symptoms. Um, I was a little fatigued and, um, that was, she went back and quarantined in Arizona for 14 days and that was in August. And then, um, I was pretty much fine after that. I did my quarantine and, um, really did you had find the second time was even milder than the first time? It was much milder. I actually didn't have any symptoms this time. Um, just a see, and, and had you, can I ask you if you had the vaccination on top of having no. had COVID? No, I'm not vaccinated. Yeah, but you but see, but you're making the case for which is what the Cleveland Clinic had concluded, prestigious medical institution, but we're not allowed to follow that science. We need mandatory vaccinations for everybody, one size fits all. But their conclusion is is that if you had COVID like you did, that T cell antibody. Uh, memory remains for a lifetime and that at any point if you're exposed again to coronavirus that the t-cell uh, antibodies begin to kick in um, but yeah, even still yeah. I would take any positive diagnosis very seriously I'm, I'm glad that everything worked out for you twice not once jeez yeah it was great it, I mean I did great but I, I actually 
Um, they had an b- antibody test um, months after, four or five months after I had it the first time, and I did have active antibodies. And then my son got it in mm-hmm. February, and I took care of him for two months. He pulled right through it. Um, with He was down for like a day, He's and he went right through it. Now, this time, um, I actually, my boyfriend got it at the same time I did, and he gave it to my other son who cut his hair. So wow. the crazy thing about it is he had went to the, urgent care um several days after feeling sick and they sent him home and said he had some kind of little virus to just you know take oh, out all nothing. they didn't test him saturday morning ended up in er at a hospital they sent him home but did a test and sent him home the next monday night he w- he couldn't walk he was so sick i took him to the er they sent him home again oh, by tuesday he was in an ambulance and in the hospital for nine days with covid pneumonia he just got out on Thursday. He, he's lucky he didn't get put on a vent. It's, wow. I mean, listen, I've, what I have found is is that because of what I do for a living and all the medical professionals we've interviewed so often, I, 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 I know a lot of things. Linda, we've talked about this, and so many people in my life, I'm just, call me, just call me. And I'm taking calls morning, noon, and night right now because this Delta variant is so contagious. It does. It is not, according to the data we're now seeing, is deadly, but it's still dangerous. And with all the therapeutics out there, it's amazing that how much the public doesn't know about their availability and uh, how accessible they should be to them. Um, and sometimes you got to work to find it. But most people I've I've known, everybody's been able to get it. Um, and it, it just gets a little a little chilling. And I, I blame the government for this because they've not had an, any 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 strong push towards Regeneron, the monoclonal cocktails um, that are out there, like Regeneron. Eli Lilly has a version of it. Got to give them props, too. I mean, it's uh, it's phenomenal work that they've been able to put together. Anyway, uh, 800-941-SHAWN is our number.